Joe Bennett. Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Good. You know, when we first uh, hopped on, I, I noticed your background and I saw the, the crashing ocean behind you and said, uh, well, that's uh, El Paso has uh, encountered a little bit more global warming than hopefully we had thought. Yeah, yeah, it's not El Paso. But uh, what I thought was I would demonstrate what I think the workplace of the future could be. And if you can see when I pan my camera. Oh, wow. We are lucky enough to be sitting on Kanapali Beach in Maui. Uh, I can see Molokai straight out that way. And Lanai is right behind me. And it's a wonderful location to work from. Um, the benefits, there are a number of benefits, obviously. First of all, you're at the beach. So how bad can that be? That's the like, benefit. <laughs> that is the benefit. But I mean, you know, the thing is this, the workplace moved to the home from, um, you know, the office. And so now we can, you know, really enjoy it anywhere. Um, you know, it's one of those things we can sit on our deck and do our work from there as long as we actually do the work. And so, you know, the benefit is there's actually an, an additional benefit with being here because of a three hour time change to my normal mm. location. So I just get up a little bit earlier, um, you know, work through my normal day. And then I have the whole afternoon and evening to enjoy with the family while we're enjoying this wonderful uh, location. Oh, that's so nice. It's yeah. so interesting how, how flexibility um, in 2020 became one of the most important things people were, were looking for in their workplace. Yeah. And, and in fact, I mean, you know, it's really interesting because we have been striving for digital change for so many years. You know, we have told our, our, uh, C levels and our, our senior managers that we could work remotely, we could work from home, we could have, you know, get rid of the call center if we wanted to. Everybody said, no, no, you know, I, we couldn't support that. And, you know, the, the truth of the matter is we couldn't support it right up until we had to support it. And then we did. And, and you know, there's a quote that's been running around and, and it's really true. It's the biggest driver for digital change has not been coming from management has not been coming from the agent workforce. It's out of necessity. COVID has dro driven so much of it. And yet now that we're remote, we're learning that it can be done. You can work remotely and, you know, you can keep things together and yet reduce costs by getting rid of, uh, you know, the call center, number one, but number two, it's better for the agents in a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, Theoretically, any agent could work from anywhere in the world and it wouldn't matter to us as long as they logged in on time and did their job when they were logged in. Nobody else, you know, nothing else really matters in that equation. Um, you know, the other thing is it's a benefit for the agent. So all of a sudden I'm not spending, you know, $10 a day on lunch. I don't have an hour and a half a day commute. So that's all time back in my pocket that that's very, very valuable to me. And, you know, the other thing is you've got comfortable working environment, you know, you, you know everything. And as long as you've got great internet and a good computer, you can pretty much do it anywhere. Yeah, it's so funny to see folks, um, you know, you'll when you'll go on webcam, you'll see someone has one of those royal gamer chairs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're like, you could not possibly be more comfortable right now. Exactly. And so you can. I mean, you know, the thing is this, you can have the temperature in your workspace 
the way you want it rather than the way everybody else wants it. So, you know, I can't tell you, I used to keep a sweater in my office at work because sometimes it was too cold. Sometimes it was too hot. And strangely enough, you could get me in July when it's 110 degrees out and I'm sitting in the call center wearing a sweater because it's freezing in there from the air conditioning. And now you have to remember uh, to bring your sandals to the office. Exactly. Well, I mean, you know, there there are some things that are easier to remember than others. <laughs> Do you think that agents' expectations in the contact center space for what they expect in the workplace and what they expect um, in terms of the agent experience has changed? Yeah, there's no question about it. And and this is really going to be where we're going to pivotally shift from here. So all of a sudden now we're we're going, okay, now we're remote. We've got this not figured out, but we're doing it pretty well. And, you know, but what comes next? And really what comes next is creating the team of the future. So, you know, in the call center, you could bring people together in a team. You know, we're going to have this row fight against that row and, you know, set up a contest and things like that. This has to be now done virtually. So we're going to need to come up with ways to, and, and it's, probably going to be more than just the teams meetings. I mean, we're using teams now, but it's not quite there. We've got to keep the, the cohesion and the, you know, working for a common goal. Everybody works for empire today, but we've reached a point where now I could walk into a grocery store and walk right past somebody who works, you know, for us in the call center and not know it because I've never met them in person. So it, you have to build some sort of cohesion there. And that's going to be, I think, our biggest challenge. Wow. Creating the contact center team and keeping that team mentality is going to be so challenging. Yes. On the on the Balto side, we actually did a survey for everyone in our company. And we actually surveyed them right after we went remote and uh, periodically after. Mm-hmm. And we asked folks, um, you know, first of all, how'd you like it in the beginning? And ever all the survey scores said, this is amazing. I absolutely love being remote. And I think yep. a lot of folks still do. But one of the things that changed over time is, you know, about six months in, we started seeing more feedback that said, you know, I don't feel the same energy. I don't feel the same connectedness to my team or connectedness Correct. to the company. And we've had to think very critically about how we build that. You know, wh- yeah. what do you, how do you think contact centers should be building that on their teams? So we're going to have to come up with ways to do that. So contests help, things like that. But you kind of got to get that that common goal that we're all striving for and keep rebuilding. And I think gamification is going to play an awful lot in that. Um, you know, software like that that brings people together in ways that has them competing against each other and and doing things. So s- stuff like gamification software, there's going to be collaboration software similar to Teams. And, you know, some of it's going to be a little big brotherish. Um, I don't think we need to get to keystroke loggers or things like that. But you still have to maintain security in this new call center of the future. And so there are going to have to be tools that while agents won't be like, whoo that's the best thing in the world you've ever brought in. Ultimately, it will help them be part of that team. And so, you know, there are things that we're, those are the things that we're going to have to focus on. How do we keep the team? How do we keep the goals going? How do we make everybody feel like they're interconnected in this new brave new world we're living in? Yeah, putting the goals front and center is one of the things that 
is really intuitive and everyone goes, oh yeah, of course you want to put the goals front and center. But then actually doing that is, is incredibly challenging. Getting folks to rally around that's incredibly challenging. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, and we were just discussing this yesterday because as the novelty of remoteness is going away and the reality of the fact that we really are going to remain remote, you know, going forward, that's going to create a major financial benefit for the company. There's no question, you know, that that's a major windfill. But at the same time, there's going to be things that we're going to have to say, you know, we're going to have to invest in for the agents to make sure that they they remain in that cohesive, you know, mindset working for the company. Right. One of the things that I've been thinking is that in 2020, we got to experience all of the benefits of remote mm -hmm. and that some of the risks have still been cooking. Correct. So I'm curious for you guys in 2021, what are some of the, the risks that you want to be proactively thinking about to make sure that remote is a sustainable uh, work experience for everybody? Well, some of the things that we're looking at and we're actually starting to implement are, um, you know, AI driven platforms that take a lot of the the mundane work off of the agent's hands. So, you know, there's a lot of things that calls that we get that could be handled very quickly and very easily by AI, um, you know, uh, reschedules, things like that, um, that we could do that way. And, and because of that, if we go in and we take those away from the agent, not to get rid of agents, because that's not my goal here. What my goal is to do is to make it so that the, as the, when the customer reaches out to us, they can direct themselves in the way that works best for the customer. And by doing that, it will take a lot of the pressure off of the agent. So, you know, if you're just calling to confirm an appointment, you don't need to talk to an agent. You really don't want to wait on hold 20 minutes to talk to an agent to do that. So we'll take care of that. Uh, automated payments so that, again, you don't have to wait on hold. Uh, you know, our salesmen and our, our installers don't have to wait on hold to get to an agent in order to make a payment, they can just make it through the system. And then, you know, no 20 minute wait time or no 10 minute wait or whatever the wait time is, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Now, the, the calls average handle time will get higher because the more difficult calls will go to the agent, but it'll go to the agent that can help the customer and take care of them and it'll get to them faster. And so, you know, we have to learn to be more efficient. We have to learn to spread out and we have to increase the number of channels that we're dealing with. So, you know, the, the AI product that we're bringing in will connect to more channels than just chat and SMS. They're going to connect to things like Facebook. They will connect to things like Twitter. They can connect to even eventually, hopefully we'll be able to connect with smart home devices like Alexa and Google Home. And, you know, if you can get to that point, now we can create, I hate to use the word omni-channel because there's no such thing, but you can create a really rich multi-channel environment that will engage the customer in the process of getting to the call center agent. And by the time they reach the agent that they're talking to, they know what they want. They know what, how to, you know, approach the process and they're pretty much ready for the sales process. And, you know, the sales process is obviously a very important thing to any business and preparing the customer for that in a way that makes them receptive to it is always a plus. Right. I think folks are more willing and excited than ever 
to be investing in customer experience and that underlying that is a change that the contact center industry is now taking very seriously, the transition of viewing the contact center from a cost center to viewing it as a profit center. Right. Um, and you, you all are living that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's an interesting transition because, you know, traditionally uh, management has always looked at the call center as a cost center because a lot of the things that we do are, not really transparent in a way that you know people say well that's where you know you 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 talk to our customers and you 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 take care of their problems and so in the past and not here but in the past in other places that i've been the call center was someplace where you know that's where we send the customers we don't really want to talk to you know because they've got complaints the truth of the matter is the complaints probably the most important part of any business right. first of all everybody has them there, you're human, so you're always going to run into trouble. You're always going to have complaints. But the most important thing is how we address the complaints. So it isn't whether or not we're going to make a mistake. I guarantee you we are. It's how we're going to recover from the mistakes that we make that really differentiates the business and, and really sets aside the customer experience. It, it's interesting. Um, if you survey customers, customers that had a problem but was taken care of very quickly and in a great way by the company are much more um, uh, sticky. So they're much more loyal to the customer or to the company afterwards than a customer that never had any problem at all. And, you know, it's funny, we talk about CSAT. Everybody chases customer satisfaction. It's one of my favorite phrases in the business. Problem with chasing customer satisfaction is that there's no driver behind mm. that. There's no call to action in customer satisfaction. And, and my example is if you go to Starbucks and you ask them for a black coffee and they give you a black coffee, are you satisfied? 10 out of 10. Absolutely, because they gave you what you ordered and in a timely manner and at an agreed upon price and you leave. Now, here's the real question. Will you drive halfway across town to go back to that Starbucks to get another black cup of coffee? Probably not. You're going to go to Pete's. You're going to go to whatever the coffee shop near you is because they can all deliver that black cup of coffee. But think about this. If you walk into that Starbucks and they know you by name, they say, hey, Mark, how you doing? You want your usual today? You go, yeah, uh, pour me my usual. They go, hey, listen, we've got a special going on these things and I got a sample right here. Would you like to try it? Try the sample. You know, they hand you your coffee and out the door you go. That's the kind of thing that I might drive across town to get because that's not the cup of coffee and that's not my satisfaction with the cup of coffee. That's a little bit of delight. You knew me mm -hmm. by name. You recognized me. I actually had that happen to me in a Starbucks in Chicago when I was traveling back and forth to Chicago to go to the home office. And I would only go in there maybe once or twice a month. But the woman behind the counter, she knew my name when I came in. She'd say, hey, how you doing? How was your trip? I guarantee you I stopped at that Starbucks every single time I was in Chicago because they knew me. And it was a delightful experience for me. So that's the real driver. How do we delight the customer? How do we make them want to do business with us? Because it was a great experience. And those are the drivers. It's, it's more, and that's a much harder thing to measure. It, it, you know, it's not a simple CSAT score, you know, it's not, oh yeah, everything was great, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's CSAT is maintenance. CSAT Correct. is preventing 
screw ups. It, there's there's not enough of a driver of something different, something additional. Correct. And the point that you made about you know fixing problems makes customers even happier. I, I actually remember there was this psychology study where you know. Um, the researcher, um, mm-hmm. you know, they had a couple groups and the researcher um, was uh, particularly attractive mm-hmm. and they had, you know, people would rate, you know, how, how attractive do you think that the researcher was are? And uh, there was two conditions. One was that um, when the researcher came in, uh, I, I think it, he or she spilled a cup of coffee or made wow. some, some blunder. Uh-huh. And the other is the researcher came in and, and did his or her job and, and left. Mm-hmm. And the the one that made the blunder, uh, folks actually rated that individual as more attractive. And the theory sure. behind that is that when you have some uh, flaws that you notice and some experience, it makes the experience feel more real and you appreciate the contrast, the other things that are going well. Yeah, you also had an opportunity for empathy right there, because when somebody spills a coffee, you feel bad for them. And you, you're a little more forgiving in that moment, because they just had a terrible experience. It wasn't your fault, but I can be a little more forgiving uh, in that way. And, and I think that that's really important. You know, the other thing you were talking about moving from a cost center to a profit center in the call center is that very few people realize just how much data we actually have in the call center. Um, If we have call recordings, we literally have the experience that the customer wanted us to know about at our fingertips. And, you know, all companies out there right now are spending millions and millions of dollars every year surveying their customers. They get done with an interaction and they send out a survey. How did we do? What did you call us about? Blah, blah, blah. And they're going on and on and on asking the customer about what they just told us. And so, you know, the problem with surveys is you get a very, very small sample size back. So for 100 customers that come in, maybe five respond to my surveys and Mm. tell me what they think. The difference is I have the interaction with all 100 of those customers already in my call center. I don't have to ask them if we did a good job or a bad job. I can go back and data mine and get that information from them. I know when they called. They didn't have a good experience and that's why they're calling and here's the reasons. I don't have to survey them afterwards. And eventually, you know, people are going to realize just not just call metrics and things like that, which we're, we're always chasing, but there's information. There's, there's key business indicators and in what is going on and what is causing our customers to either A, like it or not like it. And they're telling us. And one of the best feedbacks you can ever get is when the customer reaches out and says, here's what it is. So it's a gift. And, you know, there was a philosophy, uh, and I don't know if you can, you can put this in the podcast, but a, a woman named Janelle Barlow in the 90s wrote a great book called A, a Complaint is a Gift. And that has mm-hmm. always been my philosophy in the business because the, the reason that she says it and the reason that it's so important is at the time, for every one person that complained, the estimate was seven people simply walked away and never told you. Okay, so for every one person that you have complained, and, and today in the digital world, they believe it's one to 25. So for every one person that complains, 25 never tell you, they just walk away and do business with your competition. <clears throat> now, if I can save 24 customers simply by you know, acknowledging the gift that they're giving us, 
and thanking the customer for complaining to us. It's, it's, a, it's a really odd thing. Somebody calls up and says, you guys are terrible. You, blew, you did this, blah, 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 blah. And when you answer them and you say, you know what? Thank you very much for bringing this to my attention. Number one, it's something that we can fix. And so here's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And number two, we can put a fix in place so that that doesn't happen to you again. If you don't tell me this, I don't know. You know, I think my business processes are wonderful and they're going on fantastically until the customer tells me, hey, I had a problem with this, that we know that there's something that needs to be changed. And there's really nothing more valuable to the business than knowing where can we smooth off the pain points? Where can we make this better for our customers? How can we make this more engaging? So that, you know, that's why I firmly believe that a complaint's a gift. I thank everybody that complains mm-hmm. to me, as ironic as it sounds, but it also, it, it, it disarms them because when you thank somebody, they go, whoa, wait, you're actually listening to me? You actually want to take care of this? And so those create those moments of delight. Right. I remember I read something a few years ago about complaints and it was just basic business philosophy that said, you know, when someone complains, uh, essentially their uh, trust in your company moment is in the negative. Mm-hmm. And if you fix their problem to the T, then you at best bring them back to neutral um, at best. So at best? that, yeah, at best. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you can't just fix their problem to the T you need to fix their problem and then go above and beyond and deliver some sort of value. And if you do that well, they can go from the negative uh, to the positive. And one of the things that's so interesting about that in the contact center space is you know, it can be expensive to uh, ship customers replacements or to uh, you know, ship them a, a gift or an extra bonus or a thank you. But one of the things that is not that expensive is for the agent to be empathetic and deliver a fantastic experience to that customer. And that's a gift that's essentially free. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And this is the reason, and you and I've had this discussion before, but this is the reason I don't believe that AI is going to take all our jobs and you know we're, we're going to have the complete agentless contact center because AI doesn't have empathy. Now we can try and program empathy into it, but it's programmed empathy. It's not real empathy. And, you know, call center agents are great because they really do feel your pain when you talk to them. They understand because they hear it, they know what's going on. And so they really do. And they want to help. The, the, the hardest job for a call center agent is to be in a position of hearing people complain, but being completely unable to help them with their complaints. So, you know, those are things that, that we want to avoid. Now, AI yeah. is great for knowledge. So, you know, not every agent's going to know every answer to a problem or have it right there at their fingertips, but they do, they do have the empathy. Now, if you compare that with AI, so that the agent has the AI finding the information they need at their fingertips, and they're able to deliver that with the empathy that a human being has. To me, that is greater than a sum of the two parts. You have, you know, a fallible human who can't always find the information. You have an AI that really doesn't feel, but you pair them together and you've got an AI that helps them get the information with the empathy that a human being can bring. And that's, to me, going to be the superstar call center agent of the future. That makes perfect sense. I, I called into a call center the other day and I was talking to an agent and at the end of the call, they just, they weren't able to resolve the issue. They, they couldn't figure it out and weren't able to make the change. I can't remember quite what it was. And I remember hearing the, the disappointment 
in that agent's voice. They wanted so badly to help. And, yes. uh, and you know, a, a auto reply from a contact center AI that says, you know, I am truly disappointed that I was not able to solve your issue today probably isn't, isn't the same thing. No, it really isn't. It, it, it really doesn't make the same experience for the customer. And, you know, the other thing is it just engages the customer more to be talking to a live person, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so what you really want to do is you want to position it so that the live people armed with that knowledge are taking care of the most important things. They're not doing a lot of mundane stuff that burns them out. They're really helping the customer. And, and that can get tough too in the long run. But, you know, if we're solving problems, nothing feels better for a call center agent than actually solving a problem and helping the customer and having someone say, Hey, you know, you really helped me out today. Thank you very much. That's as much, that is as rewarding Mm -hmm. as anything else that they do. So it's really, really important. The other thing that I think we need to pay attention to as we go forward is voice of the company. We always talk about voice of the customer in, in the contact game. But one of the things we need to make sure is that the company is talking with a consistent voice to the customer. And so that we're consistent across all channels, we're consistent across all means of contacting us. Because why does that matter, Phil? Why, well, why does that matter? It's important because the, the customer needs to have a good experience. So if one person tells the customer, and we've all experienced this, and, and sometimes we've even tried to game it ourselves. You call back to the call center and try to get that agent that'll say something differently that's not on the party line. So you can say, yeah, this person said I could do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you and, and, and this is not just a problem with new agents. It's definitely a problem with new agents. Those are always the fun ones. But, you know, the thing is you can have different, um, parts of the company talking to customers and they have different goals. They have different, um, you know, reasons for talking to the customer. And, you know, they may not know that you can or can't do this. And so, you know, we need to have software in place that keeps everybody, you know, talking with the same consistent voice because that's really important. As long as the company is, is, uh, you know, talking with the same voice, all our customers are getting the same information and data. And that's really, really critical. And, and, you know, obviously tools are in place that do that. And yours is definitely one of them. So, I mean, that, that really does help not only our, our sales goals, but it also helps our service goals because everybody's talking with the same voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I heard from that is that, um, Talking with the same voice, having that consistency um, prevents problems. It prevents customers from now and then gaming the system. It prevents misinformation. Is there a revenue opportunity tied to that as well? Or is it just uh, not screwing up sort of thing? Well, there is because you get the satisfaction that goes with being consistent. And and don't get me wrong. It isn't always an answer that the customer wants to hear, but it it has to be an answer that we have to give. So sometimes the answers we give to customers, we don't want to give, but we have to for whatever reason. And, you know, as long as it's consistent, as long as the customer can't sneak in and find something else, you know, so, oh, well, this person said, as long as you've got that, then the customer, 95% of customer service is setting the expectation of the customer. Okay, and so, you know, you want to teach your agents to do things like undersell and over deliver, 
you know, if it's going to take me until Thursday, don't tell me it'll be done on Wednesday. Tell me it'll be done on Friday. And then when Thursday comes along and it's done, now you're not a day late, but you're a day early. All right. So we're managing the expectations. Now, what I really want to do is tell the customer the exact day when it's going to be done, because mm -hmm. that's the most delight. But always err on the side of caution. I would rather tell a customer it's going to take longer than, than it probably will, because it's going to be better than me not telling them. Customers always find out. You know, I've always told my call center agents, don't you dare lie to a customer about why something happened because they will find out eventually. Somebody will tell them the real reason. So don't tell them, the, you know, a reason that's not true because you think it makes them feel better mm -hmm. because, because when they learn that you didn't tell them the correct reason, then you've burned a lot of trust. And so, you know, that's the key to have with the customers the trust. It's the difference between a four-star Google review and a one-star Google review. Absolutely. It's the difference between, I loved my experience, but it was a little bit late. And this company is full of liars. It, it's, it's such a dramatic delta to be managing expectations appropriately and, and being honest with the customer. And, and in a day and age where anybody can post anything as far as a review goes on social media, these are some of the things that you want to you want to try and and do. I mean, I can't control whether my com my competition posts something about me, or you know somebody with an axe to grind that has nothing to do with my day posts something about me. But what I can control is what the majority of my customers deal with, and I can try and work with that. In the contact industry today. What do you think are the one or two or three biggest opportunities overall to improve customer experience? So I think the biggest opportunity we have is expanding channels because that opens us up to more ways for the customer to reach out to us. And, you know, it's interesting, the golden rule in customer service is not to treat the customer the way you want to be treated, but to treat the customer the way they want to be treated. And everybody goes, well, how do you know how they want to be treated? Good question, but they'll tell us and they'll tell us in subtle ways. They may tell us by SMSing us instead of calling us or by using chat instead of calling us because for them that works best. And so the way it works best for them in the long run is to make sure that we can service them regardless of the channel they come in on. And the more channels that I have that you can come in on, the better opportunity I have for, you know, satisfaction of ease of use. Mm -hmm. So if you can say, you know, hey, Alexa, I'd like to uh, look at, you know, carpeting uh, for my home and she can pop up and get you an appointment with Empire today. Uh, that's a great thing. Now, saying that is a long way from delivering on that. And we're not there yet. Um, and how that experience will be when we do deliver it. We haven't found that out yet. But it's, a, it's a, a, an undertaking that we've started, and it's going to be very interesting watching how it, how it plays out, because I think that technology is finally reaching a point where we can take it and really run with it in a way that, you know, sales service, I don't want to say it's going to be like Minority Report, where we've got targeted ads coming at you from everywhere, but it will, it's already starting to feel a little that way now if you just go <laughs> Google something and then go on your phone. But, you know, I mean, you know, the, the truth of the matter is we want to be able to be available for the customer when they need them, where they need them. And these are ways that we're going to get there. 
What do you think the contact center of 2030 is going to look like? I think the contact center of 2030 is going to be mostly remote. I, I think there will be a hub that, you know, people can go to for meetings. They can go to for IT support, for things like that. But there will be remote agents. Um, location really won't matter, uh, especially if they're computer savvy and can troubleshoot their own computer and, and, you know, keep things going. So it really won't matter where in the world they're working for us because they can be anywhere and do it. Um, I think that the call center of the future will be taking far fewer calls than we're taking today, but the contact rate will be even higher than it is now. We'll be talking to people on disparate channels. We'll be talking to people through SMS. We'll be talking to people through chat. We'll be talking to people on Pinterest. We'll be talking to people on Facebook. Wherever they want to talk to us, we'll be there. We'll be ready to talk to them and help them whether they need sales or service and we can deliver it to them. You know, COVID has been a time of impulse for a lot of people. Um, impulse, impulse buying, yeah, impulse buying in a number of ways, you know, people sit down, they're on their phone, oh, that looks neat, boom, you know, and what we're going to want to do is cater to that in the long run, be able to service you anywhere you are, whenever you have a whim. If you uh, say, gee, I think I need window coverings or I think I need carpeting, Boom, somebody's there to say, hey, you know, here's an opportunity and here's how we're going to deliver. Phil, this was incredible. Thank you so much for your time and good to see you again and enjoy Maui. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy Maui for sure, Mark. Thanks. It's been great seeing you and talking with you. And it's really been great giving an example of what the remote workforce can be in the future and how we can uh, turn that to our advantage for not only customer satisfaction, but employee satisfaction as well. You're leading it. <laughs> well, we're working on it, so we're trying. See, thanks again, Phil. See you later. Yep, good talking to you, Mark. Thanks. Bye. Bye.